That is wonderful. I just want to pray for us this morning. Let me just pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful church. Thank you. You love this church. You died for this church. You want to multiply this church. You want many, many, many more people from this area to come to know you and love you and become a part of this beautiful family. I pray today that you'd let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight for your glory and your praise. Amen. Today, I get to speak without any of my family members other than Daniel here. Sue's not so good today, so she's not here to, to say, that's enough, finish. <laughs> so I'm sure Daniel will help me with that one. Uh, they're all off on holiday. Uh, God bless those who are on holiday. May they have a beautiful time. We're going to look at entering God's best. Entering God's best. Numbers 20, verse 2 to 13. Of course, you know this is the last preach on, on Moses. And, uh, and as, the, as the last sort of teaching on this, I wanted to focus on the fact that Moses didn't enter God's best. That's sad, isn't it? He didn't enter God's best, although he was God's best, and I can prove that in a moment. He didn't enter God's best. And today, as I prayed about this message, I felt the Lord was saying to me, you may have come today at the end of your tether, feeling everybody else seems to find this Christian life easy. This is my last visit because I just can't do it. I can't achieve it. I can't get there. But I want to tell you today that God is able to carry you through to the finishing line and take you through to be with him. You're here for a purpose because God wants to turn that thought around and say, don't worry. I'm going to carry you through to the finishing line. Hallelujah. Numbers 20, verse 2 to 13. Now there was no water for the congregation. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron your brother, and tell the rock before the eyes, before their eyes, to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. 
And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and he struck the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, because you did not uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I've given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. And then uh, uh, Deuteronomy 34, please. Deuteronomy 34. And uh, reading at the, the end of Moses' life. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. Jericho's in the land they're going to. And the Lord showed him all the lands. Gilead, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea. The Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zor. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, I will give it to your offspring. I've let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed, his vigor unabated, and the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab, 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has, listen to this, there's not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Wow, what an arbitrary, arbitrary from the Lord. Deuteronomy 3. Deuteronomy 3, just the last reading. I want us to read them all because they all relate to each other and each gives a context to the other. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 23. And, um, and Moses is relating these incidents in Deuteronomy and he's saying, and I pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, oh Lord God, you've only begun to show your servants your greatness and your mighty hand 
For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Please, let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me because of you and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough from you. Do not speak to me about this matter again. I, I like that phrase because it sums up the order of the message today. He says that the Lord was angry with me because of you talking to the people and would not let me enter. By way of introduction to this message today, this is a take two. They've been here before. The previous time they came here, uh, Tom talked about it last week. They didn't enter the promised land through fear. And now Moses isn't going to enter the promised land. The people are, but Moses isn't. He spent 40 years wandering with these people. They've probably been divided. It seems by verse 1 of chapter 20 that they were, that they scattered for a while, and then they regathered for the purpose of crossing over together to enter God's best, the promised land. Why didn't Moses enter? You might feel a bit sorry for Moses. <laughs> you might think, oh, the poor guy. He spent 40 years with these grumbling, moaning, complaining, wandering, pointless um, 2.3 million people. <laughs> and at the very last hurdle, he hasn't got in. It just doesn't quite seem fair. Well, he didn't enter for one personal failure, for two, a community failure. Remember Joshua and Caleb, they did enter. They'd also walked with these people and they were the two that saw the promised land and said we should enter in. And they still had to wander for 40 years with this, that generation. They still had to do it, but they didn't sin in the way that Moses did and Aaron did. And there's a special place for Moses and for Aaron. They were leaders of this people. And leaders will be judged. Anyone who would like to be a leader, <laughs> leaders will be judged most seriously over the matters of their family of God and how it goes with us all. The final thing by way of introduction that really comes through this story to me is the awesome grace of God. He gave these people, even though it was their children, actually, he gave these people a second chance. If you've come today with that feeling of, I'm useless, I can't make it, others can. Look, God doesn't only give second chances. He gives more than second chances. And he gives us his grace to help us through. Personal failure. Let's look at personal failure. I want to get... Uh, to the end of my message. I'm so eager to get there. I may rush through the beginning of it. I want to get to hedgerow jelly. <laughs> All right? If you don't know what that is, you're going to find out later. Hedgerow jelly. Here's a jar here. We're going to get to that. Hedgerow jelly for the community. Some of you will taste it today. I want to suggest to you that this wasn't a slight failure. It was a sight failure. And I want to suggest to you that's often why we fail. Because we lose sight of God's purpose for me and you on this earth. 
We're citizens of heaven here on the earth. We're passing through. Life is a temporary assignment, as Rick Warren puts it. It's a preparation for eternity. And sometimes we lose sight of that. I'd also like to say that one of the reasons Moses failed personally is because he lost sight of who God was compared to who he was. What people saw in this event was not God saying, speak to the rock and it will yield its water in his kindness, in his mercy, in his grace. Instead, in his anger with the people, representing God, he dishonored them, dishonoring people. It's one of the worst things you can do in the community of God. Did you know that? Because every one of you, just point at yourself, because it's rude to point at others, point at yourself. I am made in the image of God. I'm actually glorious because of that. But I'm also fallen. Every human being in this room is glorious. Hallelujah! And every human being in this room has fallen. Ah, not so. Hallelujah. <laughs> he lost sight of God's publicity because if God was like him, giving up on the people of God, calling them, you rebels, actually need to add something to what God's done here. We need to add something. We're going to hit this rock. And we're going to shout at it. Let me tell you something. What Jesus has done on the cross is enough. There's nothing you need to add to it. On its own, it stands alone. By the cross, by the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I'm born again. I've become a member of the family of God. There's nothing I can add to that. Everything I do in my life rises out of that. It doesn't make that happen better. It's purely that God has stooped down and reached hold of Ken Matthews and said, scumbag, Ken Matthews, come and join me and be glorious as you were meant to be. Lay aside, turn away from your sin and become a glorious human being. Hallelujah! Isn't that wonderful? You are glorious, but we're also fallen. And the way that Moses represented God in his personal attack on these people did not represent God. Moses upheld his attributes, not the Lord's. He did not believe, God said to him. You did not uphold my holiness. You did not promote me. John 15 verse 16 is a wonderful verse. I, I love this verse and I remember it most weeks. It reminds me and keeps me on track. It's a reminder to enter God's best. John 15, verse 16. It sums up what happened with Moses here. Please, let this get into your heart. If you're listening online, let it get into your heart. This is such a glorious truth. If you're thinking of giving up, this is such a glorious truth. You did not choose me. Even if you think you did, you didn't. God's been pursuing you the whole time. You did not choose me. Uh, somebody said about um, the psalm that talks about Psalm 139, where it talks about where can I go from your spirit. He said that the Holy Spirit is the hound of heaven 
sniffing you out wherever you go, pursuing you, tracking you down till you surrender, and you give your life over to Christ again and again and again. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. It should last. Hallelujah. It's all upon him. He pursued me. He chose me. He forgave me. He gave me a new heart. He put his spirit in me so that I could bear fruit, so I could obey what he says, so that his name could be glorious through me. And Moses lost sight of that. But listen, it's said at the end of Deuteronomy that there's nobody like Moses. That he's the greatest prophet, the greatest. He knew God face to face. He spoke to God face to face. If he couldn't make it, what hope is there for somebody like me? My hope alone is in Jesus Christ. Look, I really need to get this over to you. My hope alone is in Jesus Christ. I'm not depending upon being good enough. I'm trusting Jesus alone to make it to heaven. Somebody asked me this week, they were talking about the fact they could fall sick and die. And I said to them, well, what is the worst that could happen? Well, I'll die. But what's the worst that could happen after that? And this person said, I don't know what happens next. This person knows Jesus. This person's a Christian. Would say they're a follower of Christ. But they were beginning to doubt about what happens next, thinking, I've not been good enough. I'm not thinking that way. I already know I'm not. <laughs> I'm trusting in Jesus alone for my eternity. Hallelujah. And when I get to the gates of heaven, if there is such a thing, when I get to the gates of heaven, all I'll be saying is, Jesus died for me. Jesus loves me. He's, he's in there and he wants me in. <laughs> Hallelujah. I won't be focusing on my failure. You know, if God gave me another thousand years, if he gave Moses another thousand years to undo his error, all he would do would add to it rather than take away from it. It would be an even worse mess. So when you pray to live long, remember you've got more time to sin. <laughs> and you'll need the grace of God even more. Hallelujah. You know, there's ten commandments. The Ten Commandments, I like to think about it like this. They're ten precepts, they're called in the Psalms. Ten precepts. Um, they've just been quoted. Uh, uh, Philippa just uh, mentioned a couple, I think. I think it was right. Is that Philippa? She did mention a couple, I think. But uh, the Ten Commandments, the precepts of God. Behind every precept, there's a principle. If we could jump a slide and go to the uh, slide, for example, please. That would be great. Uh, one of the precepts is that you're to obey the Sabbath to take this 24-hour period out completely. Well, what's the principle behind obeying the Sabbath that was in our diagram before, precepts to principles? Well, the principle is that we're enjoying God's rest 
We're refocusing our lives. We're trusting and believing in him by faith. It gives us chance to do that. And who is the person? What does it tell us about God, that precept and that principle? It tells us God can and does uphold all things by his power. And if you talk to a, a Jewish person today who obeys the Sabbath, you will find that is the very thing they do. They let go of their work, they let go of their striving, they let go of their efforts, and they realize, God, I trust you to take care of my business, my family, my garden, everything that I could be doing today. I just trust you to work it out. It brings you back to the beginning of who God is. He can be trusted to uphold all things by his power. Take stealing. The principle behind you shall not steal is God's protection and security. We're to know protection and security. That's the principle which God wants in community. And the personality of God behind that is a God who is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If I lack something, I just need to ask him who provides all our needs. I could say so much more, but uh, I'd better not, because I want to get to the hedgerow jelly. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, the attributes of God are seen through the lens of Moses, of Owen, of Ken, of Rod, People need to meet Jesus. We're praying for revival. People need to meet Jesus at school, at college, in your street, in your family, in Hailsham, in the villages around. How are they going to meet Jesus? They need to look through the lens. Let's put it on myself of Ken Matthews and see what God is like through the way Ken relates to Jesus Christ, loving him and being loved bringing out the principles of how I live my life as I look at his word, living the law from the heart. Do you get it? Not living the law to change my heart, having my heart changed so that I can live the law. And God wants to show who he is through this church in the way we touch and reach out and the way we are as people. There was a community failure there was a community failure. Let's get to that hedgerow jelly. <laughs> uh, getting to God's best, entering God's best, there was a community failure. And that failure did repeat itself, even when they entered God's best, the promised land. I want you to see that in that community failure, Moses understood it. In his summary, he said, God's punishing me because of you, and he's angry with me. And I'm not entering because of you. See, what happened with Moses He's a bit passing the buck there. It's not quite true. He absorbed the society in which he lived in to such an extent he forgot. He lost vision. He was no longer behaving like a citizen of heaven here on earth. He was behaving like a citizen of earth. God wants you to be a heavenly man, a heavenly woman, a heavenly young person. He doesn't want us to imbibe the culture and be shaped by the culture. He wants us to imbibe the culture of heaven and live it on earth. Your kingdom come. 
Now, John 17. This was read in our prayer meeting here just two or three weeks ago. John 17, let me read something to you that's absolutely crucial in my experience for the people of God to lay hold of. I do not ask for these only, Jesus said. It's called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. I do not ask for these only, that is the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that's you and me, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Hallelujah. God doesn't want us to suffer from community failure. That also needs to be brought to the cross. You see, I'd like three volunteers to come up here. I've got three separate spoons. This is made by me. I can tell you it's not a trick. Would anybody like to taste this hedgerow jelly? Who's coming up? Yes, come. Another, yes, come. A third person, yes, come. Oh, yeah, come. Ah, this is going to be difficult. Three ladies, they're really going to give me a hard time. Here we go. Take it. Oh, I need a fourth spoon. Can someone get me a fourth spoon, please? For my friend here. You try that. There you are. Just, just grab it. As a full spoon coming. As a full spoon coming. Here we go. Okay, you see, the thing is, is that um, I was... You don't like it? You do like it? He does. Do you love it? Ah, there you go. Look. There you go. Well done. You're, uh, how do you feel about it? How do you feel? Hedgerow jelly, he loves it. <laughs> Is that okay? What can you taste? Jelly. Jelly, yeah. Sorry? Sweetness. Sweetness. There is real sweetness in the hedgerow jelly. Yes, anything else? Fruitiness. Fruitiness. It's very fruity, yeah. It's got something in it, isn't it? It's got something in it, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to give the jar... No, I'm going to give the jar to Tinker's Hats to have their, with their breakfast. Okay, Peter? Come and collect your jar, look. There you are. Yeah, you take that to your group of people. That's for your breakfast. Take it to the, this guy. That's lovely. All right. All right. How do you make hedgerow jelly? Well, you take these fruits, which are coming up now. You can see them here. You take slows. Yes, yeah, slows. Anything else you take? Where's the others? Oh, yes, you take blackberries. Anything else? You take crab apples. Another one? You take rose hips. Yes, you know what's coming. Which one are you? <laughs> are you a crab apple? Are you a slow? Are you a rose hip? Are you a blackberry? or any of the other fruits that I picked out of the hedge. Those fruits are bitter when they're put together. That, the slows will make your cheeks literally suck in. 
You take them. You put them in a saucepan. You boil them up with water just up to the level of the fruit. I'm helping you here. In a month's time, you can do this. And you crush them together. You just crush them together with your crusher. You crush them together. I'm crushing the fruit. And then you take, you take a pair of your wife's tights. And you pour the stuff into your wife's tights. It's very messy, this. And then you squeeze the tights like this. You squeeze the tights. Oh, they're a bit messy, these. Oh. And you squeeze, uh, washed ones preferably. You squeeze, you squeeze through, and out of the tights comes a beautiful, deep-colored liquid. And the liquid you pour back into here, you measure it. For every liter of liquid, you add a kilogram of sugar. And you boil it up together. The magic ingredient, sugar. The way to get the juice out is to crush it together. God's put us together. We're very different. But I need you, and you need me. And by the cross of Christ, when we go to the cross together, when we come to the cross together, have you noticed when we do worship, that when we get to the cross in worship, that we are broken. I've noticed it. Each week I've noticed when we sing a song about the cross, it captivates us. Because it's our hope. It's where we get changed. Where we get forgiven. Where we surrender. Where we come before God and say, I need you. And when we are crushed together and then squeezed together and sieved through the word of God, as a community, this juice comes out, but it's still not enough. It needs the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, at least equal amounts, to make something beautiful that the community can enjoy. Don't run away from this community. This community ruined Moses' in the way that he absorbed all the negativity of the community. But God wants us to be different. You know, I was with uh, my daughter. I was leading a church at the time. It wasn't Hannah, by the way. I was with my daughter, and I was leading a church, and this church had really got my goat this week. We'd had a church meeting where everyone had had their opinion. I wish we hadn't done that. <laughs> they had an opinion on me. And I didn't like it. <laughs> and I said to my daughter, I said, God, I'm sick and fed up of them. You rebels. Does it ring a bell? It's a confession of sin, this. I said, I'm sick and fed up of them. They've always got something negative to say. My daughter stopped me. Stop, Dad, she said. Stop. You're not meant to be a thermometer. You're meant to be a thermostat. You are the one as the leader to set the temperature, not to react to other people's temperature. Actually, you can extend it further. You in your office, what's your office like? When you're in the office, you're representing God and this community. You're the one to set the temperature, not to react to everybody else's temperature. If it's a very negative office, why don't you go and make it positive? 
If it's a very personally critical office, why don't you go and uphold and honour and build people up? If it's an office that always takes, why don't you go and give? Let's raise the temperature. Let's be thermostats, not thermometers. And in this body of Christ, as people enter, as lovely, uh, Philippa, what you brought, let's welcome man, woman, child, every person who steps for the door. And every person where we live, because we're also there, aren't we? And let's see the temperature rise. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ here in Halsham, I've, I've moved here with my wife. I've moved here because I wanted to be a part of you. You have welcomed me so well, and Sue. We have really felt loved. And I don't say this sort of thing that I'm going to say now. I don't. I believe there's something going on here. And Steve mentioned it too. That is so God focused. God is doing something with this church. He's got something for us that's so beautiful to do with him in this town. Hallelujah. I believe we need to prepare for growth. Not growth by people moving from other churches to join us. That's wonderful if this is your home. That's a wonderful thing. I've done that myself. I've moved from Lincolnshire to here, from another church. But actually, people being saved, people coming to know Christ, people coming here to find Christ, even in our worship, even as we gather. You see, Moses lost sight of that. He lost sight of the fact that he's the one who sets the temperature. My favorite verse in all scripture, I wonder if you know what it is. I would guess you couldn't get it. My favorite verse in all scripture, what do you think it is? Anybody like to guess? Anybody like to guess? My favorite verse in the whole of scripture, there's lots of verses in here. What's my favorite verse? Has been for the last seven years. What's my favorite verse? Anybody guess? Ephesians 3, verse 10. Turn with it. Turn there with me. We're finishing. Ephesians 3, verse 10. Ephesians 3, verse 10. Actually, I prefer another version to this one because my NIV version starts with, it's God's intention that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Wow. It's God's intention that now through this community, that's what Israel was. That's what Moses was tasked to build, a community that would make heaven rejoice and make hell shake and make the world respond to the gospel by their unity, crushed together like hedgerow jelly. Lots of grace of God poured into our lives, producing a sweet, as somebody said, oh, it's sweet. And someone else said, oh, there's something good in there. Hallelujah, it's you. You in the hand of God is the something good that's in with the sugar that's coming out and delighting the community. It doesn't mean we'll always be popular. 
But it does mean we will display, we'll make clear the good news of Jesus Christ. Could we stand together? Let's stand together. The first prayer. Have you come here today saying, this church is great for others, but I just can't keep up. I think I'm probably spoiling it. I always once felt like that in my life. I very much did. I went to a church when I was a young man. I wanted to leave it as soon as I got to it. I thought, I'm the worst sinner in this building. Actually, I'm the most in need of the grace of God. Let's pray for that personal failure first. Jesus, thank you that you died to forgive all my personal failures. You died to make me clean. Your success is my motto. I enter the best when I know you. I bow at your knee, wash me, make me new, give me the determination by your spirit to work out my salvation amongst this beautiful family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Then for us as a community of God's people, I'd really like to pray for this. Let's pray. I'd like you to reach out and touch somebody else. Can you do that? So we remember this is about community, this prayer. Reach out and touch somebody else. And let's include our visitors too. And any other visitors, just reach out, touch our visitors too. Everyone who comes here should believe they should feel they belong. (laughs) That's what they should feel. They should feel, hey, this is home. So let's pray for our home. Lord, bless this house. Make this house sweet. May we work out with each other. May we quickly forgive. May we often bless. May we represent the character of heaven, the relationship in the Trinity, as we work out our relationships together. May we send people across the world to change this planet for the glory of God. Forgive me when I get derailed over the community of God. When I say things like, I can walk with Jesus, it's the church I can't stand. (laughs) Well, the church is Christ's body. So you can't avoid it. Hallelujah. There are times when we're disgusted with the church as it's represented. And there are times when we're overwhelmed with the presence of God amongst us. This is the church that God used throughout the ages. A church that's ambiguous. (laughs) But he loves that church and he washes it with his word. Let us go and see the kingdom of God come in every place through this body. We surrender to you, King Jesus, today. Amen. Amen. God really bless us as we walk together. We're so excited to be with this church at this time.